We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, here we go. Episode 599, Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always, for for locking in, whether you're listening to this, whether you're watching this on YouTube. I appreciate you all. Uh, Today is Wednesday. That means, as always, throughout the summer, I'm joined by my good friend, Anthony Marino, from Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, part of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, Big Cast Network. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good, man. How you doing? You feeling okay? I'm feeling better than I did yesterday. if you listen to the show yesterday, I was, uh, I had PK from Buffalo Sports Collective on and I was, um, it was rough. I'm getting over, I'm still trying to get over, I don't know, a head cold or bronchitis. I don't know what it is, but it's been a wrecking havoc on me for the last week, but I do feel better. So hopefully this uh, episode won't be too infested with my coughing. The show sounded good, but you know, I love how you just throw out like, yeah, I don't know if it's bronchitis, like just sort of no idea. Yeah, just roll with it, you know, no big just, deal. And I'm just one of those people that where it'll, it'll go away eventually. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so listen, we're going to dive today into our uh, training camp. Obviously, starting so this is a very big week for not just the Bills but um, the NFL. You and I, we've been doing a starting five list every week, and we're going to do that again this week. This week's list is going to be. The five Buffalo Bills that we feel have the most to prove. Um, I can tell you because I know I know Anthony's list. So four of the five that we have are different. We have one guy that's the same uh, on our list. We'll also do our our weekly finish the sentence segment. That's always fun. We'll save that uh, for the end. Real quick, though, I, I don't have the video. I can't put it up. I, I should have taken the video and, and put it up. But on Twitter a couple days ago, there was this um meme or video or whatever, this guy dancing, and it kind of reminded me he looked a tiny bit like you, and there's just some funky white dude dancing. And uh I put it up there on Twitter and tagged you, and you told me that you had a Rob Bass story that you had to tell me. And I was gonna pry on Twitter a couple of days ago, but I figured I'd wait for the show. So before we dive into some Bill stuff. What what are you talking about when it comes to Rob Bass? I got to know. Well, first, let me just say I'm a much better dancer than that guy in the video. Okay, <laughs> I, I will say that un, unequivocally. Um, 
just yeah I, I will just i will put that i will put that out there to to start so my rob bay story i'll try not to go too long with it back um my senior year of college there was probably like 40 people from from where i went to school siena college here in the albany area we went down to south padre island for spring break so you're down there and there's all these different clubs and places and uh this one club would have like different concerts a couple nights. So one night they were having vanilla ice, you know, that people were excited about. But the next night they were having Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. So for myself, that was just like, all right, this is this is what it's all about, right? Forget vanilla ice, but like this mm-hmm. is the show I want to see. So we're all going, like the place is going to be packed that night. The show doesn't start for a couple hours, but I'm honestly just like, I'm going to stay like in the area here so i could be close to the stage like i i want to to be there for for this so you know him and easy rock are there i mean we're still talking like 1997 so i mean it's like 26 years ago i mean they were a little bit little bit older then but put on a great show everybody had a great time it was fantastic so you're there you're at the place going through the rest of the night it's time to leave me and my buddies are like you know what we're going to go to whataburger right you got whataburger you're down in like South Padre Island, that's the spot. You go, get back to the hotel room after. Somebody is pounding at my door, like literally pounding at the door. I Mm -hmm. answer it. My buddy George, uh, George Clark, comes to the door. He's like, where were you? I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, I'm at the bar. He goes, I'm hanging out. And all of a sudden, I'm standing next to Rob Bass. And we start talking. And he's like, listen, man, I respect anybody that knows anything about old school hip hop. And he's like, well, I don't know shit about old school hip hop, but my buddy Anthony Marino does. He's DJ LA back in in upstate New York, and you got to talk to him. So he goes, Rob Bass is like looking for you. He goes, he goes up on the stage, grabs the microphone, and he's calling for DJ LA to come down and to meet him. And he goes, you had already left. And he was like so angry at me for having left to like, feed my fat face with a, you know, a cheeseburger with the, the boys at the, at the end of a, a long night. But it was <laughs> Rob Bates was, was there on stage, uh, kind of calling me out, looking to, to catch up. I'm sure, you know, so that was, that was, uh, my, my Rob Bates story for the, uh, the old CNN. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Let me see if I can pull this up here. Um, hold on a second, just before we get going, I guess for people, a little bit of context here, where is it? There it is. There you go. Let me this <laughs> this guy dancing. Like I said, man, I'm I'm way better than than this guy <laughs> here. This is uh he's he, he's he is very comfortable with himself, though. I will I will say the least. So. I love that though, man. I like those moves. I'm kind of jealous. I I want to learn those moves, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I love that song. By the way, I, when I when I was in, uh, I think it might have been like senior of high school or right after high school, that song came out. It dropped, and it sure. was uh, it was awesome. Anyway, all right, let's get down to business here. So we're gonna talk about our our uh, starting five list for this week. And again, this is gonna be the five Buffalo Bills with the most approved at camp. Uh, you're gonna be up first. You'll read your five, and and then I'll read my five. And like I said, we'll kind of comment in between. Four of our five are, are differ. One is the same. So uh, we'll, we'll kick it off with you. All right. Well, number five on my list is James Cook, and uh, you know, and I did this list before any news of the Naheem Hines injury sure, yeah. 
being out for the season. So, you know, honestly, maybe he would even be bumped up just a little bit. But, you know, we know Brandon Bean has talked about guys like Alvin Kamara in the past. We've talked about Christian McCaffrey trade rumors, even, you know, the failed signing with J.D. McKissick. And then last year, the Bills go out and get Hines. But, you know, as much as I like to have fun in mocking a running back to the Bills in the first round each and every year or any it's fun to watch too. running back trade candidate that is out there, the Bills did not make a, a major move this offseason. And, you know, people can look at Damian Harris and say, hey, two years ago, he had 15 rushing touchdowns. A, a one-year, $1.77 million contract does not constitute a major move. So to me, it looks like, listen, they let Devin Singletary walk. Devin Singletary did not want to leave Buffalo, but Buffalo, it was just like, listen, we are we are comfortable with what we have. James Cook, um, he can establish himself as the guy. And if he comes out and has the type of season that you know we kind of all hope that he can, maybe I will stop mocking running backs to the Bills in the first round <laughs> if he can prove that uh, But this is a guy that can be an integral part of the offense. So for me, he was number five on the list. Let me uh, – well, here's a spoiler alert. He's on mine too. This is the one guy I was referring to that's on both our lists. Before you continue, though, let's uh, let's backtrack just a little bit because you mentioned it. On Monday, before camp even starts, unfortunately, Naheem Hines, um, it's revealed that – He's on a jet ski, uh, uh, reportedly just sitting stationary on it. And we still don't know all the details, but long story short, somebody crashed into him and uh, messed up his ACL. He's getting knee surgery. He's out for the year. The reaction, obviously, it's a it's a blow for sure on special teams. I mean, there's, there's no yeah. question about that. I mean, if you watch the Bills, you know last year, that New England game um, coming off their first home game after what happened to DeMar. Bills probably don't, they might not win that game if he doesn't return. Not one, but two touchdowns, kickoff returns for a touchdown. So he was a big part of that game, was not a big part of the offense. But the feeling was that he was going to be a bigger part of the offense. Um, you know, kind of, it was reported that he really didn't have a great grasp of the Bills playbook last year coming in midseason. So, you know, it was expected that he was going to have a bigger role. I still think James Cook. I agree with you because he's on my list as well. But just, I don't know, your thoughts on Naeem because I've seen a lot of people say it's a big blow. Uh, others, I, I even had, I talked about this on my show yesterday. I changed my privacy settings on my Facebook. I, I allow too many people to be on uh, my Facebook, which is just stupid. Somebody told him right minutes after the injury happened, well, he probably wasn't going to make the roster anyway. I like legit deleted the guy's comment and then I changed my privacy settings so he couldn't see my statuses anymore to make any idiot comments on that. Anyway, Naheem Hines was making the roster. I'm just going to throw that out there. But anyway, what's your take on this? And given last year and all the injuries and stuff, what we went through last year, it's like, here we go. <laughs> you can't help it. You don't want to feel that way. But it's like, come on, man. Camp hasn't even started yet. Are we doing this again already? Yeah, you, you hate to see it, it take place, right? I mean, before sure. the start of camp, um, $3.5 million contract. So it's not you know, when you're talking about running backs, like that's a significant amount of money. Um, listen, as far as the offense goes, I don't look at this as a huge blow. Um, mm -hmm. From the special team standpoint, hey, who ends up being the the punt returner remains to be seen. Is it Deontay Hardy? Do they go with Khalil Shakir? Like certainly not someone that probably is at the level that Hines was. Well, maybe Hardy. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about him to, to right. really speak definitively. The most interesting thing with all of this from Tom Pelissero's report, like the first report says um, 
you know, refers to it right as a, an offsite injury, which makes me think it's coming from the team. The second one with the notes of like, hey, there's the jet ski injury. He was stationary, like, which makes me think it's coming from the agent, right? This will be an interesting one to see because, yeah. you know, if it is a jet ski accident, the team probably can void the contract, recoup that money from the salary cap, which you know that they need. Along those same lines, it's like, well, if you do that, how does that go over in the locker room if not he was well. not, at, not at fault? Um, but then I thought Jeremy White had a great point on WGR in the morning. He said, but if you don't stand by that, well, what happens if it's a, a superstar player then that, you know, is riding a motorcycle or, you know, like doing something reckless if it's like, well, you honored the contract for for Hines, where do you draw the line? So this is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out and what the team actually does just from the contract standpoint. But again, I'll say for the team, I don't look at this as something that is a a huge loss, but it's certainly a, a, a significant loss when it comes to special teams. They're built, and when it comes to certain positions and certain players, they're built to withstand an injury. And I think this was that position where they're built to withstand it. Deontay Hardy was literally an all-pro returner a couple of years ago. So I think they'll be all right, but still. You never want to see a, a especially a good guy like that get injured totally. severely like that before the season uh even starts. So we wish him well. Hope he's back. All right. So you had James Cook at number five. Let's uh, continue with your list. Five bills with the most approved. Yeah, number four, Kair Elam. And honestly, I thought it might be higher on my list, but it's also a bit where you say, listen, it's you don't want it to to be a, a draft pick that feels like it was a a failure per per se. I think there's sure. going to be a lot of eyes and a lot of talking points around Kair Elam. Now, as I say that, right, if if Dane Jackson proves to be a, a, a very good starting cornerback, great. If Christian Benford proves to be the same, that's fine too. Like I'm trying not to overreact to it, and I'm definitely not saying that Kair Elam is John McCargo, so please nobody take it this way. But like you can look to that draft and say, okay, well, you get Kyle Williams in the fifth round. John McCargo is a first round bust. Whatever. You got Kyle Williams, be happy with that. Someone that's playing that position and playing it at a high level. Mm -hmm. If one of these three guys can establish themselves and separate, that's great. But just based on the narrative, the amount of time that we spend talking about the draft, I want it to be Kyir Elam. He's got the most athleticism. He's got the uh, the size, the length, you know, all the pieces that you would look at. I want that to to work. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on him. And uh, he could have, you know, potentially been higher on the list, but he came in at number four. for me. He's not on my list, but he very, very easily could have been. I think there's a good eight to maybe 11, 12 players that we could easily both have um, on our list. I will say about Elam, it's weird to me, almost a little concerning. You know, I thought he played really well at the end of last season. He obviously did not play well at camp last year. He got beaten out by a six-round rookie, Benford. He was shaky. Then he got hurt, and I thought he came on at the end of the season. I thought he played well. I thought that Cincinnati, disgraceful, embarrassing playoff loss. I thought Elam and Matt Milano were the only two guys on the defense that even bothered to show up that game. Yeah. So I would feel like he's got a lot of momentum coming into this offseason and being a first round pick. So it's kind of a little bit surprising and in a disappointing way and nothing that he's done, but just that this team, for whatever reason, this organization, I should say, 
just doesn't seem to have all that much confidence in him to say, you know, he's going to be in another competition. He's going to be in a battle um, this summer. It's just, I don't know it, for me for, I don't know why it just, it's, it surprises me a little bit that he he's not spoken of a little more highly by, by the organization. Not that they're speaking bad of him. It's just, uh, I don't know. I feel like his stature and the way he played at the end of last year, I feel like, I don't I'm not sure there really should even be a big training camp battle, so to speak. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with you there too. Now let me ask you a question at the risk of, of sidetracking sure. us, but like you remember back, okay. It was, uh, Levi Wallace splitting time with EJ Gaines and Eli mm-hmm. Levi Wallace splitting time with Kevin Johnson, then doing the same with Josh Norman. If they came out this year and it was, hey, Tredavious White is the starter on one side and on the other, it's a platoon of Kair Elam with Christian Benford or Kair Elam with Dane Jackson. Would you see that as a disappointment or would you look at that and just be like, listen, as long as they're playing well, I, I don't really care. I, that's a great question. I mean, it's different with this one though, because he's a first round pick. You can look at the things before and say, okay, it's an undrafted free agent with a couple of cast off free agents, you know, that were not thought of to be a starter. So it's not exactly apples to apples, but there is a history that Sean McDermott has of, of doing some of this. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, look, ultimately from a team standpoint, all that matters is that the team's playing well and whoever it is, you know, that's contributing the most. If it's helping the team win, that's really at the end of the day, all that matters, but sure. I mean, you got a first round pick and if he's splitting the game with Dane Jackson, or if he's splitting the game with Christian Benford or all three of them are rotating, whatever, something like that. It would be a, it would be disappointing because you start thinking he's a first round pick, and then you're like, oh, we could have you know instead of taking a corner if he's no better than Benford or Dane Jackson, you could have you know you could have taken a tackle or another, yeah. there might be another position on this team where they're looking weak, where they're struggling. You're like, you know, we could have taken that guy in the draft in, instead. So I, I hope he wins it outright, and I hope it's pretty um, convincing. I yeah. don't want to see a rotation. I'd like to see him secure that CB2 job. We'll see though. I, I agree with you hundred percent that he's got plenty to prove and he belongs on this list. Yeah. All right. So number three, for those of you just listening on the podcast side, it's a middle linebacker. <laughs> Anthony's cheating. Anthony's cheating, but it's, you know, so, so here's the deal with this one. Y- mm-hmm. You just need one of these guys to step up and be a clear cut winner. Right. This is uh, whether it's Terrell Bernard or Tyrell Dodson or um, Dorian Williams, who, whoever it is, somebody somebody needs to win the job that just needs to take place. And it's almost like when you talk about a lot to prove that also you can add Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott to that list as it relates to this position. And I'm not saying that they should have re-signed um, Tremaine Edmonds, right? $18 million a year. Could not afford it too much for that position. That is fine. But then you really didn't do anything significant to to address the position. So if you're going to go in that way for there not to be someone there, you uh, yeah, you're in a tough spot. So, you know, at middle linebacker, I don't care who it is, but one of them has to prove that they can be the starter. All right. So. And, and by the way, I, I I agree with you. I was just busting your balls a little bit with cheating. It's a very important position. I have one guy specifically when we get to mine. If you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you're not going to notice any difference. If you're watching on the YouTube side, 
I'm going Bruce Nolan style right now. I have an avatar instead of uh, my camera. My camera's, I, I've been having some issues. I'm not quite sure what the issue is. But anyway, so on my side, you're not really seeing me right now. So that was number three for you. Here's what we're going to do. You're, you're going to get to your number two. And while you're talking, I'm going to take off my headphones for a second. I'm going to restart my camera and uh, see if it works. And, and then I'll be right back. So we'll, we'll just keep the pace going. So your number three, you had a middle linebacker. Let's see if there's something I can do on my end with the camera. But anyway, who do you got at your number two? Go ahead. Yeah, at number two, Spencer Brown, right? So you talk about the right tackle for the Bills. And that was a position, I think, when you went through a lot of the draft prep, you talked about some of the things that the team might do in free agency, uh, myself included. I think there were a lot of us that thought right tackle could be part of the discussion, even like to the extent, should the Bills look to do something at right tackle in the first round and have someone come in and be the starter and maybe have Spencer Brown be more of that swing tackle for you. Well, the team did not did not do that, right? They bring back David Questenberry as a free agent. You bring in Brandon Shell as a, a free agent. Again, guys on these one-year, less than $2 million type of deals. So they have put a, a, a lot of stock in Spencer Brown and his ability to be the right tackle, which you know we can talk and say, hey, the injury where he lost a lot of time in training camp last year and – you know, just kind of playing through some of that. Okay, I get it, but there there is not a whole lot of depth there if things don't go well. And like, yeah, maybe you can say, well, Ryan Bates could play right tackle if you need to, then you're shuffling things around. I don't think this is what this team is looking to do. So, and now look, and we even say, you know, most approve at camp. I mean, how much is a right tackle proving at training camp? Right. It's not like you're going to see a, a ton of, there that you're going to take away from this. But when you talk about guys and, you know, in this list, um, Spencer Brown at, at number two, because that is next to middle linebacker. And again, you kind of have three options there that you can discuss is probably the biggest question mark because he's the only real option there. I'll, I'll say this. My first thought when you, when I got your list was I don't really agree. It's like, he doesn't have that much to prove because I don't think he's in any legitimate danger of not being the starting right tackle. But then you look at it from the perspective of this. If the Bills are going to be good on offense, you know, if they're going to be at their best, I should say, on offense, and they're going to be firing on all cylinders, that means the offensive line needs to be playing well. And Spencer Brown is probably the biggest question mark on the offensive line. I agree with you there. So in that regards, he does have a lot to prove. You know, he might not have a lot to prove in terms of, well, he might lose his job, but he has a lot to prove that he needs to play at a level that's going to help the Bills succeed as, as you know, as a full unit offense. So when it comes to that, that's when I started coming around. I'm like, you know what? That's actually a really good pick. Spencer Brown does have a lot to prove. All so, right. Well, all right, go ahead, man. Number one, this is an interesting one. I want to hear about this. And it's an interesting one. And, and listen, to give everybody just kind of, you know, Pat will send me a message and say, you know, here's the question. Send me your five. Mm -hmm. And I go right off the top of my head. I do not sure. look at this and like take time to get back to them or let me right. think about it. It is the first five that pop into my head I go with. And Stefan Diggs was the first name that popped into my head. And he's mm -hmm. number one on my list. And again, when you talk about a player with anything to prove, he is probably the most established Buffalo Bill when you think of his career and what he has accomplished and Agreed. what he is now. So as a player... He has nothing to prove. And and trust me, I am not one of these guys that's like pounding the table, you know, 
Stefan Diggs needs to talk to the media. We need an explanation. We I'm I am not that that guy. But when you talk about with like stuff to prove, it's just kind of along the lines for, you know, him being present. Yeah, you know, I think I would hope eventually he's going to talk to the media, maybe even as early as day one of training camp. And just uh just honestly, just to kind of show like, hey, I'm here, I'm present, I'm the the great teammate that everyone's thought I have been. I almost don't know it's so much it that he has to prove anything. I think it's just to put the story to bed. I'm kind of sick of it. I think a lot sure. of people are. So for me, that's that's why I put him on the list. Like I said, it totally popped to mind immediately when you said it. Maybe if I took some more time, maybe he wouldn't be on my list. But I think you get where I'm coming from here. I 100% get where you're coming from. Let me ask you this before we go to break and, and then I drop my list. Is it a fair take to say that maybe Stefan is the second most consistently good player on this team? Like I would say Vaughn Miller's when he's healthy is probably number one. He's always a force. He's always out there making things happen. But I think I might put Stefan Diggs number two, even ahead of Josh Allen. Now, look, Josh Allen is a special player. He's an MVP caliber player. When he's on, he's unbelievable. But we've also seen some, you know, I had yesterday's episode was Jekyll and Hyde. We've seen some Hyde. We've seen some bad Josh Allen from time to time, at least. Anyway, Stefan don't really, you don't have no bad games. He might not get targets, but he ain't dropping the balls. He ain't making route running mistakes. He's He's consistently one of, in my opinion, the two best players on this team. Do you think? Do you, do you think that's a fair take? You know, I think that's fair. I mean, and I could even argue that he's number one. I mean, with you know, with Vaughn, I mean, we've seen such a limited, um, you know, basically a half a season for for him being with the Bills, so it's not as big of a, a sample size to be able to look at. But I think you could put both in a similar category, right? Like. Diggs might not have all the statistics one game or Von Miller, but what he's doing, the attention he's drawing, hey, that allows Gabriel Davis to, you know, catch four touchdowns in a playoff game, or it allows Gregory Rousseau to get some additional sacks because there's so much focus put on someone like Von Miller. So yeah, I mean, he is definitely right up there as is part of that that discussion. So, you know, I think as we we go through all of it, and an interesting piece too, Diggs had a retweet. Um whatever it would have been on Monday, like there was, you know, some NFL account had a screenshot of like, hey, Josh Allen saying in fantasy football, Stefan Diggs would be his number one yeah. overall player, no question. And Diggs retweeted it. So, you know, it's like those little things. And here I am like taking a screenshot and sharing it like, see Diggs and Josh, like everything's going to be okay. It's just about sort of putting this to to bed. And, and again, I'm he is that important to the team and to the offense. And you just want to see things moving forward in a positive direction. Yeah, absolutely, man. And look, I don't think it's, it's inaccurate to say that one of your best players has the most to prove because he needs to be as good as this offense, as many complimentary pieces as there are in this offense. He is your one undisputed top weapon and he needs to play like we've seen Stefan Diggs play for all three years as a Buffalo Bill for this offense to reach its potential because it's not going to. If he's not in the lineup because of an injury or some kind of meltdown or something, this yeah. offense just flat out won't be the same without Stefan. So he needs to prove that he is still the player that he's been the last three years, which in my opinion has been quite possibly the best wide receiver this organization has ever had, ever, over these, you know, over these last three years. 
No, that is safe to say. And honestly, too, and, and I'm, I don't always buy into whole like distractions and this and that. But, you know, again, he can put this to bed pretty early. And then sure. it's not every time a player gets up to the podium to speak that the media have to ask them about, you know, the dig situation because it really hasn't been been addressed. So hopefully everyone can just move on from that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, on the video side, my handsome face is back up on the screen. Going to take a real quick break, come back on the other side, and I got my five uh, Buffalo Bills with uh, the most to brew. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I am back here Wednesday. Anthony Marino, Buffalo Rumleys, Buffalo Bills training camp actually has started as this is dropping today. And we are counting down five Bills with the most approved at camp. Anthony just ran down his. Uh, we'll pull up mine here and get rolling. So I got a number five. And I said, we have one guy that we agreed with, and that was James Cook. And you pretty much, you said it all. Um, Devin, they, they moved on from Devin Singletary. Now, he minds his hurt. He's out. I think he's the one running back on this roster that kind of has similar traits to what a James Cook would have. Uh, I, I don't even know what the guy's name is, but I know they signed somebody to bring into camp, very likely to be a camp body. But anyway, long story short, this is James Cook's his job right now, and he'd have to be really bad to, to lose it. Um, he brings a dimension to this offense that the other running backs don't have, whether it's Damian Harris or whether it's Latavius Murray, who are more, you know, grinded out inside runners. 
who can find the end zone. James Cook coming out of the backfield can catch the football. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got a lot to prove because there's going to be a lot on his plate this year. Like I said, moving on from Devin and, and not really and, and not having Naheem Hines for sure. There's just a, there's a lot for him to prove. And plus, to your point, I don't want to see Anthony Marino next spring, you know, lobbying Joe Marino and Bruce Nolan and all these guys when it's mock draft season two, I take a running back again in the first round. So this is the one that we agree with, Anthony. Was he on your list? Like, did you put your list together before the Heinz injury or did that play a role? I I did as well. We both did ours at the exact same time. So we're what we're taping this Tuesday morning. I think maybe late Sunday night, I, I sent you this. And as I was sending this to you, I immediately put mine together too. So like you, I didn't put, I kind of have off the top of my head things. Maybe if I sat down and really evaluated the entire roster, it might be different. Evan is by my number four, by the way. Now, number three on yours, you have a middle linebacker, and I accuse you of cheating because you get five picks there. Um, I'm along the same lines, but I'm narrowing it down to one guy, and and that's Terrell Dodson. Let's say this. All right, so the Bills have used two third-round picks over the last two years, uh, Terrell Bernard and um, Dorian Williams this past year. You'd like to see one of them win the job, of course, because, again, you're investing day two picks on these young guys. Terrell Dodson has a great opportunity, and and we're talking here, we're not talking best play. We're talking guys with the most to prove, and I think he's got a lot to prove because I think when you look at if the Bills were to roll out their first defense day one of camp, I think Terrell Dodson might get that first rep with the first defense on the first day. I think he might be the guy, could be wrong, but I think he might be the guy who started. And I'll tell you what, Seen some flashes from him over the last couple of years when Tremaine Edmonds was out. He's not a very good, uh, he's not very good in, in pass coverage. That's for sure. But I think he's an aggressive, pretty good run defending middle linebacker. And I think we saw some of that over the last couple of years. I don't know, dude. I just, I'm not a Terrell Bernard guy and I hope I'm wrong. I'd love as a Bills fan, I'd love to be wrong. I just think he's undersized. I, I don't think he's very, um, He's not the best athlete um, Dorian Williams is. And I think ultimately Dorian Williams could win that spot. But I do not for one second think that a third round rookie is going to be the starting middle linebacker in year one of a Sean McDermott defense. I just don't think he operates that way. I think the opportunity is there for Terrell Dodson. I don't want to say to take a stranglehold on the starting job because they got a lot of candidates there. But I think he's the guy who could be the starter. So for that reason, I think he does have plenty to prove. No, and I think your reasoning um, it makes a lot of sense, too. I mean, there is part of me that, listen, if one of the two younger guys secures the role, you've got them in a cost control contract, yeah. right? Still in their rookie deal. So there's probably part of me that is that is pulling for that. Now, when you talk about Terrell Dodson, like, here's a guy that's been around, knows the coaching staff, knows the system, um, always seems to, you know, kind of be a, a positive guy with – with his teammates and and part of the club, and I think an easy guy to to root for there. It will be interesting to see because, and like I said, you want someone to step up. He is probably going to get that first opportunity to be to be the guy, and if he does get a stranglehold on it and plays well enough, good on him. Sure. Look, I want to be real clear too. I, I would prefer, in a perfect world for me, Dorian Williams has a unbelievably good camp you know he, he's your third round pick this year he of of him and bernard 
he far more resembles Tremaine Edmonds in terms of athletic traits and speed and, and being able to cover ground quick, whereas Bernard is a little more fundamentally sound and, and, and kind of instinctive player. Um, so I would prefer one of those two. And it's nothing I like Terrell Dotson just fine as well. I think he's a good story, actually. But um, yeah, I just I have him on my list because simply put, I just think he's got a lot to prove, you know, if he's going to be the starter, which unlike other positions, too, by the way, you know, whoever ends up winning this job, it might be based on that team week to week. It might be based on what scheme the Bills defense is running. Some of these guys will do things better than others. But anyway, to put himself in that conversation in that mix, he's just got a lot to prove at camp. Um, so, all right. So number three, Tim Settle. All right, the Bills signed Tim Settle from Washington last year. And I got to tell you, man, I was really pumped. I thought this was a very, at the time, a very under-the-radar signing that was really going to pay off for the Bills last year. That didn't come to fruition, simply put, last year. He was, all right. You know, he had he had a couple good moments, but he also disappeared a lot. And this year, the Bills go out. Um, they don't sign anyone early in free agency. And then the draft comes and they don't sign anybody on the defensive line. And there was a lot of displeasure at the time of the draft, including from me that the Bills, hey, they're not doing anything with this defensive line. They're just running it back. Then, of course, like after the draft, in a matter of days, they signed Puna Ford, a defensive tackle. And then they signed uh, Leonard Floyd to um, play defensive end. Anyway, so they got Puna Ford in now, along with Daquan Jones, of course. There was a big hole when Daquan Jones was out that Bengals game. The Bills defensive line just is not the same. And Tim Settle just, he didn't do it. So he goes into camp this year. If, depending on the health of Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle can find himself being that fifth defensive tackle right now. And the team might not keep five defensive tackles. Again, this is based on Jordan Phillips getting healthier and he's not really, he's still not ready right now. I just think Tim Settle has a lot to prove because A, um, he, I thought he underachieved a little bit last year. You know, I remember a lot of people saying all this kid needed was an opportunity. Well, I, I feel like he had an opportunity last year and he didn't really seize it. This time around, you know, he, he, he's, he might have a fight to make this roster. So he's got a lot to prove. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was really surprised to see him on your list. Like when your list popped up for those on the video side, I kind of, I almost gasped a little bit because that one, uh, that was a surprise to me. And I say that because, um, I didn't know a lot about Tim Settle before he signed mm -hmm. with the Bills, right? I, I do remember some folks, I think Greg Thompson from Cover One, being very positive on him, someone that he had targeted along the same lines of what you just said, right? He needed an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and then really, when you started to look, I thought this guy might be a cut candidate like to, to free up cap space. They end up restructuring his contract yeah. to keep him in Buffalo. But as you said, right, are they going to keep five defensive tackles? There's a lot of talent along that defensive line, and there's going to be some questions that come up. I, I think one thing that gives Settle, a, you know, call it a, a positive in, in his column is just he's a great teammate. He's a great personality, some of those pieces. But, you know, I mean, we've seen guys like Isaiah McKenzie be right cut this offseason who who checked those boxes, too. So um, it, that is going to be really interesting. He's still relatively young. I think Settle's only 25 years old. So mm -hmm. if he can can flash some potential, the team will be better. But, you know, he certainly has some something to prove. That's that's a uh, that's safe to say. Yeah, for sure. All right, so going to number two, I actually have a rookie, a second round rookie, Osiris Torrance. I think I have him on my list because I think he has a legitimate 
chance to, to be the starting right guard on week one. But he is absolutely not going to get handed this job. Yeah. He's going to have to win it. We all, I think, I think anyway, we would all agree that Ryan Bates, his best position on this team and his ideal situation for Ryan Bates would be that six guy, that swing guy. He could back you up at center. He could back you up at either guard position and he can even play tackle. In an ideal world, I think that's what we want. And for that to happen, Osiris Torrance would have to likely seize that starting right guard position. So he goes into camp, again, in an organization with a head coach that track record doesn't seem overly eager to play rookies early on. So he needs to come to camp, and, and we all know he's a big physical mauling type of guard. Uh, we need to see him move, so, even, even if it is just training camp and, and the preseason as well. We need to see him move some bodies around. We need to see him have some athleticism. We need to see the Bills, and whether it's Ken Dorsey, Sean McDermott, they, they need to have confidence that they could go with a rookie right guard to, to, to kick Ryan Bates, so to speak, out of uh, the starting lineup. So, again, I think poten his potential is through the roof. I think long-term he's absolutely going to be you know, a starter in this league, and I think maybe if we were doing this list next year, he definitely wouldn't be on it. But right now, I feel like he's got a lot to prove because – he has an opportunity to, to be the starting guard right away. Now, and I think there's been a lot of conversation around him lately. And to your point, right? Ryan Bates is, when I say a sure thing, right? You talk about some level of consistency. You know what you're getting. Reliable starting right guard. If Osiris Torrance beats him out, you know it's not going to be, you know, the tie's not going to the rookie. And, right. and John McDermott's, you know, with Sean McDermott's club. So right. if Torrance wins the job, you know, it's just like, good gosh, like this kid must have come in and been so impressive to displace someone like Bates. And that'll be interesting to see. And as we talked about with Spencer Brown on my list, right, it's it's not like you're going and getting some ridiculous type of, um, you know, insight when it comes to the to the offensive line and what's going to be happening in camp. But here's a guy that, right, there were a lot of mock drafts early on when you were talking about, and I say early on, this was like before the Connor uh, McGovern signing and free agency. Hey, the Bills need to do something at guard. He was mocked to the Bills a lot of situations as a first-round pick. So, you know, here we are. Let's see what he can do come camp. I'll tell you right now. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm looking. It's funny because now I've hit number one, and you and I, have probably two of the best Buffalo Bills players on the team as our number one. So some people might be looking at us like, what the hell are you even talking about right now? I got Trey White as number one. And just like you had Stefan Diggs as your number one, and for the reasons, because, you know, you just want to put everything to bed and just be able to focus on football. Well, when it comes to Trey White, I have him number one on the list because he needs to be, he needs to prove to me, he needs to prove that he is not just back, that he's all the way back. He came back last year, but he wasn't the same player. We need to see Trey White, the elite, undisputed CB1, Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber Trey White that we had pre-ACL injury. You need that, you know, you could talk about Dane Jackson and Kyrie Lum and Christian Bedford. We could talk about those three guys who were blue in the face. They're fine. Maybe one of them, maybe Elam becomes more than fine. Maybe he becomes a really good player. But you're lining up twice a year against, you need somebody who's going to contain Garrett Wilson, somebody who's going to contain 
Ty, Tyreek Hill, somebody who could contain now Juju Schuster with the New England Patriots and some of these other number one receivers around the league when the Bills, like when they play the Bengals and Jamar Chase. You need that number one Pro Bowl level corner in Trey White. And he physically was back last year, but we didn't see it. So this time around, I want to see in camp right away that he's moving 100%, that he's not knocking down passes, that he's sticking to, you know, at practice, if you're watching, that he's sticking to um, Stefan Diggs or Gabe Davis or whoever he's watching that day. I want to see the old Trey White. I think we need to see the old Trey White for this defense. You know, we talk about on the offensive side, Stefan Diggs needs to be present and out there for the Bills offense to, to be as good as it could be. I think you need a healthy 100% Trey White for the defense to be as good as it could be. You know, Trey White is probably the most underrated storyline for this training camp or call it like this offseason, right? Because you think of everything else that's being talked about, cornerback to middle linebacker, when does Von Miller come back, Stefan Diggs stuff going on, what's happening at running back. All of these things have really kind of superseded that. And to mm -hmm. your to your point, there's almost like an expectation of just, I don't know, in some ways like, hey, well, you just need Trey White to come back and be good. Not even like a thought of him coming back and being pro bowl, all pro level that he was at, that he was at before. And, you know, dare I say, like some folks might kind of be sleeping on Trey White just a little bit. And sure, who knows what is going to, to take place? I mean, gosh, you think back to a year ago you know, the beginning of training camp, he's, oh, he's there. He's on an exercise bike. Like, yeah, maybe he'll be ready for week one. He wasn't even close to being ready for, no. for week one. So, you know, and I think a lot of it, it's not just the physical side of things. It's the mental piece. And I think that was pretty apparent with White. Like, you know, do you trust yourself to to come back and try and do the same things physically that you could before? So, um, yeah, I'll say kudos to you because I think that's an underrated storyline and for you to put that there that is definitely something to what you said before it's like hey this guy's career it's not so much what he has to prove but just like can we see him be Tredavious White again sure um before we get to our finished the sentence segment a couple guys that could have been on our list and weren't on either some of them we've already hit on at least a few guys I think Ryan Bates is a guy I think that easily could have been on our list because right now he is, again, on day one of camp, I fully expect him to be your starting right guard. Um, he's got to fight to keep it. You know what I mean? Again, he's gonna he's got stiff competition coming from Torrance. But I think Ryan Bates has plenty to prove. You, again, when you cheated and said all the middle linebackers, couldn't name them individually as well because I, I, I Dorian Williams could come in and he can make an impact right away. He's got a lot to prove. Look. When you say you got a lot to prove, a lot of these guys got a lot to prove. So, I mean, yeah. we're just kind of, we were kind of ranking them. Anyway, uh, Terrell Bernard, of course. Guy didn't even mention A.J. Klein. He's got a lot to prove to even make this roster right now. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of competition there at middle linebacker. So, there's a chance he doesn't even make the roster. And then the other guy that I thought of that I almost put on my list was another corner, Dane Jackson. You know, let's, it's easy. All of these corners right now, I think Elam's got the most potential. I think we liked what we saw early on from Benford as a rookie last year before he got hurt. But Dane Jackson is probably the most accomplished of those three. He was a starter for two full years in this defense opposite of um of Trey White. So I, I think he's he's got a lot to prove as well because I look, I, I do think it's gonna be a legitimate competition. Dane Jackson might win that starting job alongside of of Trey White. So those are just a couple of guys. I don't know. Is there anybody? Um, I think I might have hit the nail on the head with the rest, but 
Anyone that you can think of that you're like, you know what? This guy's still got plenty to prove as well at camp. Well, I'm going to throw Connor McGovern on the list because okay. here is a guy that the Bills signed early in free agency, significant contract, right, of three years, 20 plus million dollars, which again, not huge money when you talk about this, but this was that external signing that they made at a, a significant dollar figure. Yeah. And, you know, when you went through with it, like no one came and was like, oh my gosh, like here's a guy that was at this type of level that, you know, hey, I'm excited that the Bills signed this guy at, at, at guard. So as you come through and now, you know, hey, you know, Bates, you know what you you have there and his flexibility and how mm -hmm. good he can, can be. Then you look at things and you say, okay, you know, you, you bring in Torrance and it's like, okay, second round draft pick, first round type of potential. Maybe this guy is really good. I think with McGovern, it's like, okay, th there could be a little heat on him too. One from the rookie, but two, the the incumbent in, in Bates, that it's like, if he doesn't show out early enough, there could be a little heat there and something for, for him to prove to justify that contract, which basically says you are a starting guard with the teams. We're paying you three years, $20 million. Yeah. Look, we could probably, if you really break it down and think about it, we probably can go another hour just going through almost every player on his team. Dalton Kincaid, the rookie, you know, he's got a lot to prove that he belongs out there a lot with the offense right now. Deontay Hardy, certainly the opportunity is there with Isaiah McKenzie gone. And now with Naheem Hines injured as well, you know, he might get some of those snaps coming out of the backfield in motion and things like that. So lots of guys with plenty to prove. You know, it's funny. It's coming quick, Anth. August 12th. And, you know, camp started now. They got a preseason game August 12th at home against Indy, man. And so that, what's that, like a week and a half away? It is, uh, it is coming quick, and it is that time of year. I've said it before. Like when I'm actually looking forward to preseason football, usually after about two quarters, I'm scratching my head asking why I was. Yeah. But, you know, you get to look at some of these young guys that are, you know, fighting for a, for a position. It's, uh, it is kind of fun to watch. So it'll be here yeah. before we know it. And next week, you know, so Camp will be a handful of days old and we might start getting a little bit of insight as to what might be going on at a few, because there's a few battles, so to speak, here. I'm using air quotes on this team, mainly middle linebacker, of course, or that second cornerback position. Maybe we'll start to get a little bit of insight of how things might go leading into their first uh, preseason game. But anyway, all right, so let's wrap up like we do every week with our finish the sentence segment. Nothing right. really to do about sports. I say it every week, just a chance for fans. And, you know, I like kind of like these questions, too, because I'm sure if people are listening or whether they're watching, they hear these questions and they kind of think of their own answers as well. So, by the way, if you got some good answers, feel free to tweet at me or whatever. But these are for Anthony and myself as well. Four of these, let's get going here. The first one, the greatest concert I've ever been to is blank. Greatest concert I've ever been to. Junior year of college. Uh, Notorious B.I.G., Naughty by Nature, oh, wow. Mary J. Blige, and Jodeci were kind of your four headline acts. Um, in addition with that, I mean, a, a bunch of others. But at the, uh, at the time, it was called the Knickerbocker Arena here in Albany. 15,000 people really kind of, as I look at that golden age of, of hip-hop, at least for me growing up, um, it was before anyone really knew who, you know, Sean Puffy Combs was. He was really just a, a producer at, at that time and really kind of pulling this together. And it just was uh, that was like that first 
real hip hop show I had ever been to. And I just, I loved every minute of it. It was fantastic. That sounds awesome. Are you a concert goer? Like in your life, have you, you know, some people go to concerts all the time. Some people rarely go. Have you been to a lot of concerts? So when I was younger, I definitely did. Right. When you think of like after starting college and then, you know, before having kids, you know, kind of too, for those people that know me, I used to work at that uh, arena for years. So when I was in the marketing department too, oh, okay. it was kind of cool. We would, uh, we would get to escort the photographers to the, the pit area, right? Which basically is that barricade in the, the space before the stage. So sometimes if it would be for a show, hey, Rolling Stones, you get to bring the photographers down. They get to shoot the first three songs. So, hey, maybe I wouldn't be there for the show, but I'm literally, the stage is right next to me oh wow and i'm watching the rolling stones for three songs and then i kind of get out with the photographers so i would get to see a lot but we would enjoy going to, to shows as well that's cool you know for me and this is kind of recent too i like stain okay the, the uh, rock band stain yeah. and i've seen them in concert at daring lake a couple times but maybe my favorite concert ever was aaron lewis the lead singer from stain he did um at the casino, the Niagara Casino. He did it. In fact, I've seen it twice. He did a very intimate show. There were a couple of those. It was the smaller um, room with only a couple hundred people in there. And he just had his guitar and it was acoustic. And he did all like a lot of the stained hits, but he did them again acoustically. Yeah. More, uh, more kind of romantic versions of them. And he did a lot of covers of other songs as well. He did uh, Rascal Flats, What Hurts the Most, which he actually recorded, and it was a pretty big hit for him. And he did the Scorpions, Still Loving You, and he sounded just like the lead singer of the Scorpions. Anyway, I was just absolutely blown away and mesmerized. Again, it was such an intimate little setting, yeah. and there wasn't a bad scene in the house. Like, if you were in the fifth row, your man would have been right on top of the stage because it's so small there. But he was just absolutely amazing with his guitar and his voice. So it's, it surprises me. Like I, I want to say something more fun and spectacular than that. But dude, Aaron Lewis from Stained Solo, just now, unbelievable. But, but you're right on. And I mean, listen, when you talk about being in more of an intimate setting, like personally, I love to go more and see a performance at a theater versus an arena or a stadium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you feel that energy. Here is a place called the Palace Theater. You know, it's about 2,500 seats. And I think of shows I've seen there. I mean, I saw Mary J. Blige there once, which was phenomenal. But then sometimes, too, I think there's shows that are a little underrated for you. My my wife and I, when we had first gotten married, we saw Michael Buble there. Yeah. And you just talk about, we went to a show not knowing one song that he sings, but it's just, there's an energy. It's a performance. It's just great. There's that level of again, just feeling like every seat is a great seat and you're on top of the performance. Uh, so I'm with you there. Yeah, look, I think venue means a lot, man. I just seen Brian Adams and Joan Jett a handful of weeks ago with my wife and it was great and they sounded great, but it was at the Key Bank Center and there was maybe 8,000 people there and it just felt like the arena was too big for yeah. what that concert should have been. Or even when you go to like to, to Highmark Stadium, I went to Garth Brooks last year and, and it was amazing. He sounded amazing, but you know, 70,000 people and you're so far in the back. It's kind of like you're there just to be there, just to be at sure. the Garth Brooks concert. But when you're talking about these settings, you're right on top of everything. It's just uh, a different level. All right, let's move on here. If I'm getting fast food, my favorite fast food drive-by spot is blank. Chipotle. And I know right. you might not consider that like a drive-through type of thing, but if you're talking fast food, that is my 
my go-to, I mean, now they sort of almost have their own version of a drive-through for, for me, that is, that is the spot. It's my go-to nine times out of 10. If I'm traveling for work, it's like, let me find a, a Chipotle because I know what I'm going to get. I know I'm going to love it. I don't feel too guilty when I'm eating it compared to some other stuff. So that's my go-to. My, my son is completely with you on that. Um, him and actually my nephew lived with us for a while in Florida. They literally went to Chipotle every single day. They would come back and they would always have it, you know, on the table. Every time I came home, there would be Chipotle wrappers uh, all over the place. And speaking of, because it's not in Buffalo, mine is Zaxby's. I, people in Buffalo, oh, they probably don't never even had Zaxby's. I don't even know what it is. Well, it, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, it's it, it's chicken hamburgers. It's kind of like a Chick Fil A in a way, in a way. But yeah. like I said, it's in other states. I know it's in Florida. Had it every day. Best chicken sandwiches ever. Um, so I would say Zaxby's. But if they gotta stay stay around this area, boring ass answer. But sorry, man. I love Burger King, dude. I I'll still I still hit Burger King at the classic ass Whopper combo, and I'm very happy with that. I do that a couple times a week. In fact, like three minutes from where I live right now in West Seneca, they literally just put up a new Burger King. So I got it like right around the corner for me. In fact, I hit it twice in, in one day last Friday. Not good. Anyway, uh, all right, man. Two more here. My childhood nickname, if I had one, was blank. You know, growing up, a lot of people just called me Marino, right? It's like kind of one of those last names that becomes a nickname. Um, but when I was in college, my my roommates, like I lived with eight other guys, uh, and they would just call me Gino. Gino Marino. And like to this day, those guys still call me Gino. I respond to it. It's, um, you know, I almost have a little affinity for Gino Smith in a weird way just because of it. So, you know, it's not really a childhood nickname if you're talking about being in, in college, but, you know, still uh, still part of my youth, I guess. So, so Gino is a, a nickname and I, I still respond to it today. Do you ever get asked if you're uh, related to Joe Marino? Of course, I'm talking the Lockdown Bills podcast guy with the same last name. Yeah, it's funny. I get that more now than when people used to ask me if I was related to Dan Marino, which used to happen like all the time. <laughs> but yeah, people just uh, assume that that Joe and I are are related, but we are <laughs> we are not. So <laughs> I love Joe. And by the way, I should have said this right at the beginning of the podcast. I talked to Joe yesterday. You know how I do my Imperial series. He's actually going to be with. He's going to be in town. He's going to be in Buffalo, and uh, Thursday, August third. He's going to be my guest. We're actually going to do a show live from Imperial. I've never met Joe in person either, so I'm very much looking forward to that. So that's going to be Thursday, August 3rd. Awesome. Uh, Anthony's pretend brother, Joe Marino. All right. I, you know, this is corny as hell, but whatever. Again, growing up at that time, Pac-Man was a pretty big thing. And my name's Pat. My friend used to call me Packy, and that kind of caught on a little bit. It's so, so, so corny. I hate to even, it's cringy to even think about it now. But when I was a kid, a lot of people used to call me Packy. So that was my... That was my childhood nickname. I don't want to be called Packy right now as an adult, though. All right, last one. And this is sports, I guess. So after the Bills, of course, I'd consider my second favorite NFL team the blank. The New York yeah. Giants. Yeah. New York, New York Giants. And you know what? It used to be um, – earlier it used to be the Philadelphia Eagles just because of Donovan McNabb, right, being mm -hmm. a Syracuse football fan. That kind of became easy, and the Bills were so bad that following the Eagles. But – um, in this area, so I live in the Albany area, the Giants used to do their training camp up at University of Albany. So, you know, you'd go over there for camp a couple times each year. Um, honestly, camp, it was, you know, that was fine, but it would be more fun when you'd be uh, 
the the Crossgates Mall would be right up the road. And you know, maybe on a Friday night you'd be at the movies, and all of the giants would be there. And I still remember like one of those in theater experiences. We went opening night of Sixth Sense, you know, with Bruce Willis, yeah, 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 Haley Joel Osment, like phenomenal movie. But to see it in a packed theater on opening night. Oh, by the way, with Jeremy Shockey, Michael Strahan, Kerry Collins, like you see all of these guys in the theater with you. And then, you know, for the twist with that movie kind of blows your mind as you're walking out. I mean, everybody in the theater is just waiting to come out of the theater so they can start talking about everything that they just saw. And you're in the hallway with all the giants there. So you kind of felt that connection to begin with. But even then, to take it a step further, I mean, to you, Eli Manning and those Giants to ruin the perfect season for the New England Patriots, mm. you'll always have a, a little special place in, in my heart. So the Giants are a, an easy choice for me there. This is a rare question when we do this segment where I'm with you. I have the same answer. I, I'm also the New York Giants. My father was born in New York, New York, New Jersey, and all of his family. Most of them are all New York Giants fans. Plus, they're in the NFC, so it kind of feels like it yeah. doesn't really interfere with your Buffalo Phantom, and I'm a Brian Dable guy, so I like them even more now since Brian Dable uh, has went there as well. All right, so we had the actual same answer. Before we get out of here, Joe, I want to let people know, if you're around the South Buffalo area on Saturday night, I'm going to be live from Imperial Pizza, or series. We're going to have former Buffalo Bill, John Fina, is going to be with me. And I'll tell you, Anthony, man, I have a lot of guests during these live series, and they're always fun to do. And they're always, you know, pretty engaging with the fans who, who come out, but John's just on a different level, man. This dude will sit there and talk to you all night. Loves to pound his pints of beers, but he will take pictures with everybody. He loves talking to fans. So if you if you want to meet him and, and get a photo, it won't be a problem. John's a good dude. And yeah, part I mean, of Buffalo Rubbly's network too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, John, you know, the John Fina show that that he does with uh, with Joe Miller during mm -hmm. the, the season, it, it is it is one of my favorite shows out there. And I, I say that not just because it's part of Buffalo Rumblings, but just because of the way that John is. He's sure very genuine with the folks that, that chime in as part of the chat. I mean, you know, we have our Buffalo Rumblings group chat just where we're kind of, you know, doing different updates and pieces. But he just is such a genuine person sure. and it comes across and for him to do that with the fans when i saw that he was going to be with you at imperial pizza that that just made me happy because i think that's one of those that you know will be a great listen for all of the fans but but just for you like you know you get to do those you want it to to click and connect and john is certainly one of those guys so that'll yeah. be pretty awesome john is um john's always a guy who intrigued me i had him on the podcast years ago actually before he like kind of really embedded himself into this podcasting and you know buffalo bills community that he's become such a big part of over his last few years love john great dude but anyway make sure you follow anthony on twitter at anth marino again check out buffalo rumblings content literally nightly at this point and now with football back um you know joe miller J jay spencer's guys are really going to sarah they're all the they're going to step it up. Jerry Ostrowski, too. I got to throw a shout out to him, former Buffalo Bill as well. Thanks for doing this, man. By the way, again, episode 599, dude. We're getting there. 600 on Saturday. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm happy to be number 599. And uh, Sophina's number 600. Yeah. That's perfect. That's All right, perfect. guys. So speaking of again, I will see you. Uh, we'll be back again live here, at least on YouTube anyway, Saturday night. Talk to you then.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.